I was going into the park at Disney World, and I heard these words, good morning, princess. And I looked around and I said, are you talking to me? And the greeter said, yes. And so I want to share that same greeting with you, but I want to say to each of you, good morning, beautiful children of God. Good morning. I realized a few weeks ago a familiar tune growing up has returned to a certain big box store. It entices people to take advantage of online shopping and pickup. As I listened closely, I recognized the Sunbeam Bread song. For some of you sitting here, it is a familiar and recognizable tune. For others, it is brand new. And it goes a little like this. I like bread and butter. I like toast and jam, choir. I like the taste of sunbeam bread. It's my favorite brand. So when I heard this tune again, in that moment I remembered sunbeam bread being a household staple, and I remember singing along with my brothers as we made peanut butter sandwiches. I can't help to think in the world of carb cycling, Atkins, Keto, Paleo, Weight Watchers, and South Beach, that this song will have a very short life. So for some of us, indulging in bread and all of its deliciousness reminds us of these words. A moment on the lips is a lifetime on the hips. But regardless of its high-carb count, in most cultures, bread in one form or another has been one of the principal forms of food and is the very basic element of the family meal. The Gospel of John invites us to engage in a dialogue between those in a crowd who had either experienced the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 or simply heard about it. It's a conversation where parties involved are having a discussion around two separate topics, physical food versus spiritual food. See, I'm certain most, if not all of us, have participated in a discussion where all parties involved believe that you're discussing the same topic, but as you begin to talk more and more, you realize that that is not the case. That happens frequently in my own household. So for a moment, I want us to place ourselves in the mindset of those in the crowd asking the questions, and not in the mindset of a learned people who believe we already know the answers. The crowd who crossed the Galilean Sea looking for Jesus worked to feed themselves and their families. So when Jesus miraculously feeds the 5,000, this crowd who sought him out did not acknowledge a miracle had taken place. They went searching for the one who could easily provide physical sustenance for their bodies. Friends, food is power. 
I don't know how many of us in this space have truly gone without a meal. I don't mean by choice, because of a fast or diet. I mean because you or your family were unable to secure nourishment for your bodies. Personally, I have not experienced that. But I have known friends while growing up who openly shared our dinner table and never understanding why, until as adults they confessed to me their home life. They were not receiving food. I've experienced throughout my global travels, though, those who also do not consistently have access to food and do not know where or how they will receive their next meal. I have witnessed this right here for those who are waiting in the gathering place, waiting for assistance or sometimes only a bag of food. In many ways, this passage opens our eyes and shows us the inner workings of a group of people who are not experiencing desperation, but a sense of urgency, not only for themselves, but for those in need. So I hear in my mind, surely if this Jesus can meet our basic need, he can provide much much more. As we engage in this dialogue, the first question they ask is, Rabbi, teacher, when did you come here? And in his typical fashion, Jesus does not address the immediate question, but calls out their truth. I love the way the New Living Translation engages the text. It says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. See, this crowd is not here for Jesus and all that he has to offer. They are seeking physical fulfillment and nothing more. Those who followed Jesus and found him after he fed the 5,000 may be a little like those who see faith and church membership as something to use for their own needs or maybe to pursue their own interests. So I want to ask you this morning, why are you here? Are you hungry for physical food? Are you here to meet your own needs or pursue your own interests? Are you here to witness the wonder of God's grace through the sacrament of baptism and communion? Are you here to be a true witness and a disciple of Christ or to merely market the programs of our church? As God uses all of our wise, we are called to individually and collectively engage on a much deeper level. Just like Jesus encourages the crowd in our text, give us our daily bread. When the conversation between Jesus 
and the crowd is taken as a literal dialogue. We see the crowd is seeking sustenance while Jesus all the while is proposing to give them soul food. And of course, I don't mean the soul food some of you will have for brunch and some of you may know and love. See, this soul food is the food that nourishes your soul. It is the food that comes when we need Jesus the most, which is different for us all. See, this food brings comfort and joy. It nurtures and encourages. It heals. It builds up faith as grace and forgiveness filled. And most importantly, it is eternal. The Jewish teachers frequently spoke of the law and the Torah as bread. Therefore, it is not a surprise that Jesus would utilize the symbolism of bread to engage this crowd in a deeper conversation. See, the crowd was familiar with Moses, who according to their misguided interpretation, provided manna from heaven. But see, Jesus had to correct them and say, it was not Moses who provided manna from heaven. It was God the Father, my Father, who provided manna from heaven. See, it is not the gathering place in the Society of St. Stephen's that provides the bag of food, but it is God through us who provides the bag of food. But as we exchange even knowledge of scripture, sometimes we still misunderstand the text. We, like this crowd, still need to seek Jesus. These words, this dialogue, is an opportunity for Jesus to witness to this misguided crowd, and challenge them to think about what it means to commit. Commitment is not about giving us our daily bread. It is about receiving our daily sustenance from Christ. It is about following after Christ to have him fulfill our lives and not our loaves. See, it is our mission not to sprout off scripture to prove that we are followers of Jesus. It is our mission not only to provide food for those in need. It is our mission not to sit and be served. Our mission is to reveal God's love, God's grace, God's goodness, which includes all of these things. It includes being filled with scripture. It includes telling our own stories. It includes being a witness to Christ. It includes providing physical sustenance to those in need. And as we decide for ourselves, we open the door for others to decide along with us. Do we want to be intimate companions and Christ collaborators? See, it is through this gospel dialogue that you hear the good news, that you hear the good news, that you witness the kind of questions that continue to plague our faith. And this conversation, even today, is nothing new. 
What must we do to perform the works of God, we still say? What sign are you giving to us so that we may see it and believe you, we still say? What work are you performing? See, when we intentionally engage with those who do not know Christ and acknowledge a Lord who wants nothing more than to give us food for our bellies and food for our souls, we hear, this is the work of God that you believe in him who was sent. This crowd has never seen anyone similar to Jesus, and neither have we. Sure, we know good people. Sure, we share their good works. But how many of us know Christ and share him unconditionally? Unfortunately, even in our sharing, we still want more. We want a life free of pain and heartache. We want a life free of confusion and hurt, free of judgment, free of pain, free of political bias, and free of change. But God wants nothing more than to share his treasure through your giving, to share his treasure through your study, to share his wisdom in your life, to share his joy through your story, to share his power and goodness through you. With those of you who steadily seek Christ, and for you who already know Christ, receiving this daily bread is not only an act of grace, it is an act of love. This crowd came to be physically filled, and Jesus wanted to challenge them to go deeper. The challenge is right here for us as well. Benjamin Sparks, a retired Presbyterian pastor, in Nashville says, too often in our lives, we forget how to pursue what really matters. We're accustomed to inviting people into the community of faith for all the wrong reasons, for the right kind of worship, for political engagement on behalf of the poor and downtrodden, for the sake of a Christian America, for a strong youth and family ministry, for the opportunity to practice mission in a downtown location and go across the world to Africa and Central America. Yet what we have to offer in Christ and by Christ And because of Christ, first and foremost, is soul food. This is our daily bread. This soul food lasts forever. And it does not change, even with the changing climate of our church and of society. Children of God. This daily bread is soul food that we desire. 
This daily bread is the sole food in which we can rejoice. See, long after our bellies are full of bread and our lives know justice in a free society, this is our daily bread. We are being challenged in every way in this text. And as we continue to place ourselves in the mindset of those in the crowd, steadily asking the questions and not the ones where we are regurgitating the answers, we are being called to engage and look beyond the bounds of our networks to offer something more than full bellies. And as Jesus transforms us, we become true witnesses to the bread of life and not a marketing ploy or an updated, modernized jingle. We are called to witness and not market for Christ. We are called to meet people where they are. We are called to engage in their questions, not with answers, but with questions of our own. We are called to journey with them, being a ministry of presence, of love, and not judgment. So in this passage, we struggle along with the crowd, looking for Jesus and engaging in questions where we may not always know the answers. So I ask you again this morning, why are you here? And I also ask you, do you believe the good news where you can say, I like bread and butter. I like toast and jam. I strive to live a transformed life. Because of Jesus Christ, we can say, I can. Give us this daily bread, not for physical sustenance, but as food for our soul. And as we continue to prepare our hearts and minds, as we give, as we go to the table of grace, let us acknowledge how and where God is calling us to be a true witness and not only a good marketer. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.